Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Okay, guys, I have to be honest. This is like the Mondayest Monday ever. Five o'clock came around and I immediately had to pour myself a glass of wine and I still have more work to do. Um, But lucky for you all, I thought recording the intro to this podcast would give me a really nice break. Um, It's really funny too because I was getting my ice out of my freezer and I was putting it into like my silicon wine glass Um, and Layla immediately like went to her place. She got all ready and acted like I was going to give her like an enrichment toy or something. (laughs) Um, I guess because it's like similar material as to what her like topple and and the, and Kong, those kinds of things are. It was really funny. And then she kept sniffing. I was like, I'm so sorry, sis, but this is an enrichment item for me, not for you. So I don't want to keep you all waiting too long because this episode is jam-packed. It is about two hours long or will almost be two hours. Haley and I can talk a lot. So just be prepared. I will give you a break in the middle just to let you know that you are halfway through and that if you wanted to pause it or take a break and needing a stopping point, that would be a good place to do it. This episode was so fun and was super thought-provoking. It is with Haley from Pause and Reflect. She is a 24-year-old who owns a blue healer. Um, I think Scout is about three or four, and Haley has held her for two years. She adopted her from a shelter in Wisconsin, and they now live in Florida with Haley's fiancé, Sean. It's so funny because Haley and I are both engaged and are planning our weddings and we talked about dogs so much that we didn't even get to talk about our weddings. So if that puts things into perspective about how much we love dogs, I think I think that says it all. But this episode is really centered around having a growth and open mindset. We talk about having an open mindset when it comes to training and different methods, uh, leashes, whether that be like a flexi or a long line, and really just having compassion for owners that might not have the knowledge that we do today. I think this episode will be good for any owner, no matter how far you are along your journey with your dog or with your mental health. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to everyone who listened to my first solo episode last week. All of your comments and supports and direct messages and comments meant so much to me. And I also wanted to thank everyone who subscribed to my newsletter. Uh, It's been super fun to create those and I just really enjoy Uh, putting those out there and if you want to subscribe and haven't already the link is in the show notes and you can also find the link in my Instagram bio or message me and I will for sure send it to you. Also be on the lookout for a question box that is going to be in my story after this episode premieres. Haley and I are going to be taking podcast specific questions so either anything about the podcast towards me or anything that we specifically talk about in the podcast. I am going to be filtering these and kind of condensing them to make sure that we get through everyone's question and make sure that it's relevant to the topic that we talked about during this podcast. But now my co-host Layla is pulling at me and telling me it is time to get out of this chair and go do something. So I am going to go play with her, but I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And as always, I am open to any questions or feedback that you have about the podcast. You can DM me at dogmommentality on Instagram or email me at caroline at dogmommentality.com and i I hope you have a great time listening. Okay, hello. I have my microphone here. 
<laughs> I love the microphone. I feel so official. You look very official. In my robe. In, in your robe. But the microphone is in the forefront. So I, know. I like it. Um, so we are here with Haley today, who is also known as Pause and Reflect on Instagram um, and blog. So Haley, do you want to give us like an introduction of who you are and Scout and kind of a little bit about your journey so far? Yeah, I will try to keep it as concise as possible. Um, we're going to try so... to keep it at an hour, even though I feel like we're probably going to run over. <laughs> it's way too fun to talk to you if our life was any indication. So we'll, we'll do our best though. Um, yeah, I'm Haley. I am 24. I'm a copywriter for a digital marketing agency, and I was born and raised in Wisconsin, but now live in Florida. Um, I adopted Scout when I was 21, about six months after starting my first full-time job. She was found as a stray in my Wisconsin hometown, um, ironically, like on the street that my dad's work is on. He's worked there for like two decades. Um, so she was picked up as a stray there. No one came looking for her. And I met her when my family was dropping off some Christmas donations. And I was in a position to have a dog. I picked a dog-friendly apartment on purpose. Like, I don't want to present it as if I was not prepared at all. Like, this was something I had thought about, I had kind of planned for. But I wasn't looking for a dog the day that we went to the shelter. So it had been like a background thought, but I was not actively searching. And then I did the very classic, like, see a dog, fall in love with the dog. Um, sent Shauna Snapchat saying in all capital letters that I needed this dog, like before I had even gotten her in a visiting room. Um, but it, but, but it all worked out. I mean, it was not love at first sight. Like it was attraction at first sight. And then we were able to build something, but I adopted her. Attraction at first sight. (laughs) You were lusting over her. Kind of like, have you seen her? She's hella cute. Um, I was super into the pointy ears and speckles. I still am, but she is so much more than, than just that. Um, So I visited with her a few times before I put in my application, you know, kind of like tried to learn more about her. I, it was not the most responsible way to adopt a dog ever. Like I certainly could have been actively looking harder, um, but it, it also was planned enough. And I was prepared enough that like things went fine. Um, Brought her home in January of 2019. So we're a little over like two and a half years now that I've had her. And the biggest part of our journey thus far, especially on the Instagram space, since I talked about it, I mean, honestly, almost daily for well over a year, um, is that she became really fear reactive to other dogs. So at the shelter, she did not want anything to do with the other dogs. She was really timid. They had that on her like adoption shelter card that she needed help building confidence around other dogs. With what I've learned since I look at that sentence very differently than I did at the time, the time I was like, ah, no big deal, whatever. Like you're a little shy. We'll fix you right up. Um, We did not fix her right up. Instead, we took a walk two weeks after I adopted her and another dog pinned her to the sidewalk. So we did the opposite of fixing her up. Um, But we've learned a lot through that. She's come really, really far since the only time she really reacts in a, honestly, I don't think she does react inappropriately that much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone has, is how going down a different it, definition. How long has oh. it been since you think that she has had like a really bad inappropriate or like uncalled for reaction? Oh goodness. Pre-house move in uh, maybe like last winter like she did you know like low growl at a dog at the river a few weeks ago and like that was frustrating for me um but nothing like extreme and like the other dog was looking at her and like mm-hmm. barking a little like like everyone you know has a different definition of what is and isn't appropriate um but yeah definitely several months now like if a, if another dog is minding its own business and like the distance is fair to her. Like it's not mm-hmm. in her face. Um, she can handle herself, which is really all I can ask for. Cause if, if I had a traumatic past with, you know, people, um, mm-hmm. and then someone ran at me screaming or yelled at me from their yard, like I also might get a little stiff. Yeah. So <laughs> I think we talked about this last time we had, or I like me and Bobby, we had a really 
bad landlord whenever we first moved into this house that we're renting and she drives a Subaru. So now every time that I see a white Subaru, I like tense up. Yeah. Super fair. A natural reaction. Um, I feel like this summer I really started looking at some of Layla's reactions differently based on how you have talked about um, in the past, like fair reactions versus inappropriate or like unfit reactions, I guess you could say. Um, and you kind of made the comparison one comparison once of um, like, you know, if somebody jumps out behind a corner and scares you, like you're going to react. And that's kind of the same way that Scout or Layla or whatever dog feels. Mm-hmm. So ever since you've put that in my mind, I've looked at some of Layla's reactions very differently and haven't been like my reaction towards her after it hasn't been as like inappropriate. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I've responded differently ever since you put that um, thought into my mind. That makes me so happy. That was a huge thing for me to realize. Cause like, don't get me wrong. There's a huge difference between reacting when surprised, which is Mm -hmm. fair, you know, like, like I love Sean and I know him. And if he jumps at me around a corner, I'm probably going to scream. Like there's a huge difference between that and like being irresponsible in public. So sometimes when I talk about this, I get nervous. And I think that people are thinking that I'm like excusing all of my dog's behavior all the time. Um, But like, it's, it's definitely been really good for me to think about the fact that like, you know, it helped me a lot to walk other dogs who like do not have scouts passed and realize that like, Oh, our neighbor's dog who has never had a social problem with anyone in his whole life, like will bark at a dog that's in its yard barking at him or like will bark if someone comes out of their house quickly and surprises him. And he's like fairly stable, all all things considered. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's just like helpful to think about to extend her a little bit more empathy. Um, But I kind of did not do a great job being concise. So I will, I will wrap up that that's who we are. (laughs) You are fine. You are fine. So I centered a lot of these questions around having a growth and open mindset. Um, I thought that was like a really good topic that is mental health and like personally, like something that everyone could work on, but then how you've applied it to dogs, um, specifically with Scout. So my first question for you, if you're ready to dive in. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Is how did you work on your mindset with the transitioning from management and a mindset of like better safe than start better safe than sorry. I will put her in a heel. I won't have to worry about like what she does. She'll be in a heel or whatever position. Um, you know, I can guard her if needed, whatever. How did you go from that kind of mindset to letting Scout walk at liberty, still on leash, but, you know, just walking at liberty? There have been times that I have really, like, bounced back and forth, like, should I let her do that? Should I not? Should I put her in heel? Whatever. Especially if it's a day that she has been more anxious and reactive or wound up towards sounds or sights. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I need to give her that freedom at some point or else she will, I'll never see what her capability is at the moment. That is a super great question. And definitely something that I still think about and bounce back on a lot. So like, please don't think that I have this all figured out in my brain and that it's all seamless because it totally isn't. Um, but I feel like it kind of comes down to three things. So two of those are long-term considerations and that's how scout is learning, like what opportunities I'm giving her to make decisions and learn. And then the second one, like what is best for the lifestyle that I want with her in the long run? Like what is my personal goal and what helps us work towards that? Um, and then like the third piece is just always in the moment, like, am I in a place where I can handle it if she makes a decision that I don't like, or am I having a bad day? And like, I am just going to manage because sometimes it still is better to be safe than sorry. Like if the worst case scenario is actually quite bad, then a hundred percent always choosing 
better safe than sorry. Like if I'm having a you know crappy day at work and I can tell that my own threshold is like like this big, like you know I am about to lose my mind, then I will just manage everything so that she doesn't have a chance to frustrate me because um, that's what we need as as a team. But coming back to those those first two things, you know, in the long run. So like let's say that on this individual day, like I have bandwidth to handle if she makes a decision that isn't great, I'm feeling good, we're starting out with full tanks. Um, it helped me to think about how I've learned best. And, you know, I anthropomorphism can definitely be an issue, um, but we share a lot of cognitive processes with dogs from what we currently understand. Um, and so I was thinking about how some of the lessons that I've learned best have been when I've been able to do something like kind of like hands-on learning. Like I've been able to make a decision and get feedback for that decision. And like that lesson will stick oftentimes better um, than just being told what to do. And I had a virtual session with Jay Jack once where he used this example of walking a tightrope. And he talked about how if you're walking a tightrope and you like have a little bit of stability um, you know, like, like you have something, maybe you're carrying one of those really long balance poles or like whatever, like you have some sort of safety net, someone's helping you or something is helping you and you never stumble. Like that feels good. Like that's cool. You're still on a tightrope. Yeah, um, for real. Yeah, for real. But like, if you are walking that tightrope on your own and you almost stumble, but you catch yourself, that is such a better feeling. Like that's the feeling of like, I did that. I caught myself. Um, and he was using that while talking about, you know, reactive displays of behavior. And I, I had been asking him, like, what do I do? Like, you know, we're sitting at this outdoor mall in the morning working on settling and like someone with a dog starts walking towards us. Like, I don't know them. Like, I don't know them or their dog. I don't know if they're going to try to like say hi, like, Jay, please help me. Like what my mind goes 20 places. What do I do? Um, and I really love that he gave that example. Like he basically said, if it if it's safe. You know, so like if Scout can't actually hurt herself or someone else, if she makes a bad choice, then I can decide that that we're training um, and I can let her make decisions, give her feedback accordingly. If it's not safe, like let's say I don't know this person at all. I've never seen them. I've never seen their dog and their dog is on, you know, an unlocked flexi and running right at us. Then we're managing like at that point, like I'm standing up, I'm putting Scout in an incompatible behavior behind me and I'm body blocking and, and, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, so that, that was really helpful. And that kind of ties into like what I mentioned about what I want long-term in our lifestyle. I am a perfectionist. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this later and I don't like the idea of a life where I'm using a lot of obedience with Scout because I will get picky about that obedience. And now I'm adding in another thing in my day that can frustrate me because it doesn't go perfectly, but it doesn't have to go perfectly. So like example of that is like, if I'm walking Scout in heel most of the time, inevitably there's going to be a few moments where she like comes two inches further ahead than, than mm -hmm. she should be. And like in my lifestyle, like we don't compete in obedience. I'm not a huge, like, I don't need to be a big precision person with her. Two inches shouldn't matter, right? Like that should not affect how I'm feeling about the walk or how I'm feeling about the day. Um, but I've learned with myself that often it will. So yes, it is so <laughs> easy to, it's just like the, if you're already having a bad day or not even a bad day, but like, even like mm -hmm. it just not a great day. It's just like one thing that you add on and then it's like, well, she did this earlier and then now we got back home and now she doesn't want to sit by me like, or whatever the case may be. You're like, what, what's wrong with her? Yeah. You overthink so much. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, you know, for me, like my personal long-term ideal and some people like are really proud of their obedience and the dog loves performing it and they like watch to show off that he'll walk more often, which is like totally cool. Like not knocking that. It's just for me, my ideal situation is giving Scout freedom to make decisions. And then I have wiggle room in my expectations. So instead of, you know, in a given moment, giving her a very specific behavior to do, I can have this range in my head of like, you, you know, I will be happy if you do this variety of 
10 or 20 things, arbitrary number. Um, and like, that's what I want in the long term. And in order to get there, I had to let her make some of those decisions and give feedback. Cause like, just for me individually, like I don't want to always walk her in a heel. Like I just don't mm-hmm. enjoy that very much. Um, and so, yeah, you know, kind of just coming back to like, how is she learning? Am I setting her up long-term for our lifestyle? And then, like I said earlier, like really important on any given day, I might just decide like, nope, we're managing because mm-hmm. I'm going to lose it if you lose it a little. And like, that's not healthy for anyone. Yeah. It's like better for your overall mindset. And then you get back home and then it leads to a better evening. Um, yeah. Whenever like you were sitting at the mall, for example, and you were letting her do her thing. And there was maybe a time or two where you were like, well, it could be close. It could not be close. I'm not sure but I'm going to let her do her thing and see, were you just like holding your breath for the whole like five <laughs> minutes? <laughs> oh, oh, often, often. Yeah. I had to practice accepting that I was relinquishing control and like really knowing that and like, like holding that in my mind. Um, and, you know, working with this idea that like, I trust my decision-making. If I've decided that the worst case scenario is not that bad, then I'm going to roll with that. I'm not going to second guess myself. Um, And, you know, some trainers and friends in the community have been so, so, so helpful at reminding me of that. Cause like I would build it up as this awful thing. Like, you know, someone with their dog is going to walk by and like, I think it's a fair distance. Like I've seen scout. I think that this is, you know, a, a distance she can handle but what if she doesn't? And like, Mm -hmm. I would think that the world was going to end. Um, and I had to just remind myself that like these things that I thought were world ending were things that almost no one else in the space would think about. Like Sean told me that, you know, growing up, he didn't have a lot of experience with dogs and stuff. And he said, he just expects every dog he sees in a public space to bark, like at least a few times, like that's just his default assumption. And any dog that isn't doing that is like already above and beyond. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse to like have really low standards for our dogs. Like I really believe in being respectful in public. That's a huge value of mine. I think we need to think critically about that, but it did help me give myself and scout a little more grace where it's like, okay, like if there's a toddler sprinting around at the mall in the morning and he sprints down the steps behind you and like catches us both off guard and you let out a bark, like, why do I think the world is ending if that happens? Like that's not, that's not catastrophic. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really helpful. But to answer your initial question, like, yes, like very much, I would hold my breath. And yeah, like literally that's what I would do. Um, We had a moment like that kind of at an outdoor mall type thing. Um, A little girl had came up behind and like, for, for like me, it would have just been like a pat But for the little girl, she, like, slapped Layla on the butt. (laughs) And we, like, neither of us saw her coming. So we both, like, turned around and Layla barked at her. And then the little girl got scared and and whatnot. But in that moment, I was, like, frustrated for a split second. And then the next moment I heard the mom – you know, like tell the little girl, Hey, like, you can't do that. The dog didn't know you were coming. Like you made the dog upset. And I was like, thank God that what a good yes. I was like, thank God that the mom is like telling this little girl how it is. Um, because that's the one thing that I still have a really hard time with is telling little kids that they can't pet. Um, and like, in one sense of me, I'm like, well, Layla could like jump up on them and is probably weighs more than this kid. Um, but then I'm like, but it's a little kid. Like, I don't want them to like be scared of dogs or have this negative association because my dog barked at them or whatever. Um, so that's been that's <laughs> one of the harder things for me, but I'm I'm working on it. Have um, you ever? But like, I've only been able to do this in practice a handful of times, like probably less than 10. Um, But one of my favorite things, if the kid is old enough that they can understand me, like sometimes like if we're talking two or younger, like I'm using 
you know, yeah. like that I can't explain things to them as well. Um, but I've had great success with kids who are like, I'm bad at estimating kid ages, um, like six ish to 10 ish, maybe where if they ask, um, sometimes I'll say like, no, sorry, you can't say hi, but you can do something better. And then like, they'll kind of get excited and I'll say, you can help me train her. And then I'll like put scout in a down or in a sit or just like some, you know, basic position. And then I'll tell the kid, like, will you jump up and down with me? Or like, will you give me a high five? That is so fun. And then they feel like they're involved, you know, like I'm interacting with them. Scout is still sitting nearby. Um, But what I'm actually doing is just like continuing to prove Scout's obedience and showing Mm -hmm. her like, hey, this kid who you maybe were a little unsure of approached and like they hung out for a minute and nothing bad happened. And that's my favorite go-to because then I don't feel guilty. Like I don't feel like I just slammed the door in the kid's face, but also it was like good for for all parties involved. Mm -hmm. So if you ever get the chance try that really fun. Yeah. That's a really good idea. The one time, um, we were at my grandpa's and my cousins who were, I don't know, maybe like 10 and six. Um, they are very, very scared of dogs. So we didn't have Layla or my dad's dog out while they were all over. And, they were over for a couple hours. And during that, I took Layla out for a little bit just to play in the yard. And I invited them. I was like, Hey, you like, you know, Edmund, do you play, um, uh, baseball or whatever? You should come out here and help me throw the ball for Layla. And I put her in a back tie so that she couldn't like get to him just in case, um, he got really scared. And I told him, I was like, okay, this is the line. Like she can't get past this line, but she, he would throw it. And then I would go like, I would go get the ball from Layla and then bring it back to him. And then eventually the, his sisters were doing it too. It was just like a really cool experience because they were so scared of dogs to begin with. And I was like, well, Layla loves to play. So this, this works out in everyone's favor. That's, That's, I love that so much. I know it was, it was something that I will like always, always, always remember. Um, Okay. We've gotten a little off topic, but. (laughs) Shocking. We are all surprised. I know. (laughs) Okay. So through letting Scout make her own decisions um, that came with a lot of trust um, and developing trust her with you, but also you with her specifically for this uh, situation. What are some of the ways that you and Scout have worked on building that trust with each other? I love this question so much. Um, I feel like a lot of it ties back to what we were talking about earlier, where I tried to make sure that I was being smart about when she was making a lot of her own decisions. So like, you know, if the worst case scenario is actually awful, like, like I think about having her off leash in our front yard. Cause like I'll let her out to use the bathroom completely naked in the front. And like, I'll stand in the door sometimes and just like watch her if it's late at night, you know, I don't want to walk all the way outside. Um, and like, that's a risk assessment that I've made because she's shown me that I can trust her over and over in situations that don't have as extreme of circumstances. So like, you know, in order to work to that, it was, okay, can I trust you to do this? Like, like just to stick with this example for the sake of trying to be clear, um, like, can I trust you to do this on a long line where like, if you fail, I still have you like no big deal. Can I trust you to do this dragging a leash where like, if you fail, I have six to eight feet more of something to grab. Can I trust you when you're wearing a collar so that like I, you know, there's still something to grab and like kind of working up in that way. Like if you show me that, I can trust you in a lot of situations that build to this, but where the, the, like the risk is lower. Um, that's great. Whereas like, I never would have done that for the first time. Like when our across the street neighbors, dogs were both outside. Like I would never have opened the door and just been like, go use the bathroom because the worst case there could have been like, you know, will you run at them? Will you run away because you're scared? Like all of these things. Um, So just giving her as many chances as I can for her to show me that she'll make 
good decisions where the stakes are like, like high enough to test it, you know, um, but low enough that nothing that big can go wrong. And then just mm-hmm. like, all the little things like she has become so responsive to us and so attuned to us. And I feel like a lot of that has just been time. Um, like we've lived with her for two and a half years now and she knows me so much better. I know her so much better. And like, I wish there was some magic thing, but like, we've really just settled in like, like, again, I think just from the time, like I can read her so much better, even, even just like than I could a year ago. Like, I feel like I can really read her now and that enables me to trust her more because I trust myself to tell if she's going to need help. Like, like I can now watch her looking at another dog and I can pretty reliably, like I'm kind of proud of this actually. This is like an exciting thing for me. Um, I can pretty reliably tell you if like that's a look because she's curious and like no big deal. Or if that's a look where like she's thinking of freaking out or I, I shouldn't use the word thinking, maybe like feeling overwhelmed yeah. and all of these things. And that that just gives me the confidence in myself to be like, I'm going to be able to tell if you need help and I'll be able to help you early enough that, that coming back to that assessment thing. Exactly. Yeah. So Do that's been have, really helpful. Oh, sorry. No, I, I was just saying that's been helpful. <laughs> Do you think Sean is able to tell that as well? I think so. I think he might be slightly less attuned to it than I am, but that's not a dig at him. That's just because he is a much calmer, less hyper analyze person. That's not an adjective, but, but I'm using it as one. Um, yeah. Like I overanalyze everything all the time and I'm constantly taking in really detailed input about her. And like, he doesn't pay quite as close of attention, um, but he, but he knows her like pretty much just as well. He usually airs on the side of like helping her sooner than I would sometimes. But again, that's really? never really that's a bad thing. Me. Yeah, it, it depends on the situation. But like if Scout is looking at another dog, he's more likely to just like redirect her and ask her to do something than like wait and see, um, which is fine. Like this does not negatively affect us. In other ways, he's way more likely to like let her try things. Like he cares less about the reactions to other dogs. That was like a big blow to me and something I struggled with a lot and it mm-hmm. actually never bothered him that much. Cause again, he grew up thinking like dogs bark at other dogs, whatever. Um, so yeah, just like we, even in our own relationship, we value different things like yeah, slightly different. For sure. Do you think that he like will automatically redirect her or whatever, um, kind of do more management because he hasn't been, in as many situations where he he's allowed her to trust or has allowed her to do her own thing and like trust her kind of like how you have, or do you think it's because he like sticks to a protocol of, do you, do you know, do you know what I'm yeah. trying to say? Like, I would say that with Bobby, he is more of like, I, I am going to stick to the protocol, like just, just in case type of thing. I think that's more where Sean leans. Like he definitely trusts her a lot. Um, and I think he's seen her make a lot of really good choices. I'm going to psychoanalyze him a little and I'll, I'll try to be fair to him. Um, he'll never listen to this anyway, probably. <laughs> um, I think part of it, and I'm, I'm not super proud of this, but I think it's the reality is that he has seen how intense I can be about scouts handling. Um, we're in a really good place now. We're really on the same page, but definitely like there have been moments in the past where he's been the one holding the leash and she's reacted. And I've been very frustrated and sad and all of these emotions and where I haven't always handled them in a way that, that is the person I want to be. Um, And so sometimes I think he just plays an element, like it's less of a risk assessment with scout and it's more of a like, Haley feels very strongly about this thing. And so I'm just going to err on the side of caution because that I know that like she will be okay. Um, Yeah, that is, I've never really thought about it that way. I I bring it up because it's, it was really funny. Bobby was walking Layla and I was walking behind them and 
we were coming up on a group of dogs and he, he turned around at me and said, what's the protocol for this? And it was like really <laughs> funny. Um, just because I love I, it. I'm more of like Layla's handler, but just in this instant, he was walking her and <laughs> it was just really funny how he said it. He like meant it as a joke, but also was kind of like, no, seriously, like, what should I do? And That's so real. Yeah. And but there have also been times where he said he would say, you know, I, you know, did X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, why, why did you do that? And he was like, well, I just thought it would be better for you in the long run. I was like, well, that's really nice. Um, yeah. but like if I would have seen him do it in the moment, I maybe would have thought of he was doing it for Layla, but whereas like he was actually more so thinking about me than than Layla, probably because Layla's recovery time is half of what my recovery time is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. There's also this interesting dynamic. Like, I can't tell you who Scout's handler is when Sean and I are out with her together because we really fluidly, like, the person holding the leash is not the only one who she's taking cues from, and that could definitely get confusing. Yes. For- in different situations like that's something we're conscious of but it works really well for us personally um so most of the time now like Sean holds the leash every time we run because he's a really good runner and I'm a very bad runner and it makes sense for him to have the extra thing to hold um but like we'll generally just kind of defer to what I want to do in the situation like he's holding the leash but we're kind of all in it together and like you know, if I give a direct instruction, then, then we'll do that. But otherwise we just kind of, I don't know, like move Mm -hmm. forward and like, I can give her feedback. We don't, most of our feedback is like verbal and body language at this point in our journey together. So that's another thing to note um, because that's what makes this possible. Like he can hold the leash and I can still be like, sort of in charge like I definitely have more of a need to control her and the situation than he does um but yeah it's just been interesting how that's all all progressed like we're very much a unit and we weren't always that way um and I like that but again I could see how that could not work for other teams depending on you know just the way they are for sure just like it's each person is definitely going to have a different dynamic. Even like a single mm-hmm. handler and another single handler are going to have a totally different dynamic. Um, yeah. I think just with us, I've taken more on the responsibility of doing things with her. And I, I'm not going to say like, I enjoy doing stuff with her more like than what Bobby does. Cause he definitely enjoys playing with her, doing everything with her. It's just that this is like my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has other hobbies, but this is like my hobby. If that makes sense. I love how you phrase that. Yeah. yeah. But we like, if you were to put us like that little trend where you would run in opposite directions, she literally would pick mom and then pick dad and then pick mom and then pick dad. Like she would just like alternate back and forth. So. That's um, hilarious. mm Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about how you learn to love retractable leashes because it was like a big no-no and then now it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> like what, what was the process? How did your mind set change about it? And what were like some of the resources that you went to for learning how to use and love retractable leashes? Another killer question, because there are a lot of layers to this. Like when I started thinking about this, it goes deeper than I thought it did. Um, So like surface level was kind of this idea that there's just always nuance in our world. And like, I accepted that in other areas of my life. But when it came to dog ownership, when I was newer and learning things, I really wanted to like do it right there is no right. Like that's an uncomfortable thing to realize sometimes. Like I just wanted someone to give me a formula and then say, congratulations, you're a good dog owner. Like that's what I wanted. Please. Thank you. Um, and and that isn't true. So I kind of, 
you know, initially just had to start realizing like, oh, there's literally no other area of my life that I am this black and white. So like, why am I this black and white about dogs? And then that kind of led me to realize that I didn't know as much as I thought I did about a lot of things or as much as I like wanted to. And that I was being a little cocky and like, I wanted to feel like I was right. And like, Mm -hmm. if you use a flexi, I will look down my nose at you because I, the superior dog owner know that they're awful. Like it was kind of this high and mighty thing, which I'm super not proud of. Um, Like I wanted to do it right. And I wanted, you know, a little bit of wanting to do it right was wanting to do it better. Um, Mm. And I had seen, you know, some not great interactions happen because of flexies. Like it's true that they can be dangerous. Like that is important to note. This is not a tool to just like willy nilly give to everyone who has a dog, Mm -hmm. Um, but they can be used well. So kind of getting over that like barrier of my own ego a little, accepting that there is nuance and then really understanding that like here I was saying that things like prong collars or e-collars have a time and a place and that they can be used poorly or they can be used well. And like, what made the flexi so different? Like, why was I saying I support the intentional, thoughtful, humane use of a prong, but there's never a time to use a flexi. Um, And that made me realize that like a flexi is not that different than a long line. The key difference is how the slack is managed. Mm-hmm. If you have an issue with the length of the leash, like if the length of the leash itself is a problem that someone has, then in order to be consistent in that opinion, they must also hate long lines. Yeah. Like the idea that, you know, flexies are bad because an owner is walking down the street 30 feet behind their dog and their dog is causing mayhem also applies to long lines. Yeah, now, that is very true. And the argument is that the flexi makes it easier to let out that slack. And that's a very fair argument. Like there, again, there's lots of layers, lots of nuance here. Um, but like, like I said, the biggest difference is how that slack is managed. If you're managing that slack appropriately, like if you remember that the flexi has a button and you're using it in situations that you've thought through, it can be a really, really great tool. Um, what personally made me love it. So like I had kind of been going through this thought process. I saw a lot of Jay Jack stuff about it. I finally got mm-hmm. his flexi lead ebook. And I was like, what do you mean? Like a trainer, like, you know, who a lot of people like, like, he's not just some nobody. Like, like, what do you mean a real trainer who works like with uses dogs? Yeah. 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 Cause like he, he's like done stuff with like pretty dangerous dogs. And I was like, okay, so you're like, you're legit. Um, and that was helpful. Like he helped me understand that it was the difference of, of how the slack is managed and all of that. Um, but in my personal life, like I finally got one started enjoying it at parks when it's like wet, like in Wisconsin, it would be frosty in the morning a ton when we were going out, but like by midday it would be dry. And I had this long line that I would take with us to the nearby park and I would take it home, like dragging. It like felt like pounds of grass. Yeah. yeah. And it was so, so not fun. And then moving here to Florida and being on the beach, like the flexi is my preferred tool for extra freedom while respecting the intent of leash laws when the ground is wet or dirty, because Mm -hmm. now I don't have to wash my long line. And that's fantastic. Um, Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's a lot there. Like I really love flexis. I also totally understand why a lot of people don't. And I think it's important to be aware of of the risks and using them responsibly. But, you know, I think like, like I I really trust Scout. Like we use the Flexi pretty much only in areas where I feel like I would trust her off leash, but Mm -hmm. I really care about respecting the intent of leash laws. So I'm not going to do that. Um, But honestly, there's even a little bit more wiggle room. Like the Flexi is still a, a measure of physical control if you're using it responsibly. Like even if Scout's recall was only 70 or 80 percent like I'd feel comfortable using it in a lot of areas and it would help us work on that recall skill like there's just so many ways it can be used I was gonna say for us right now it's been super helpful in providing like more real life situations for recall because she Mm -hmm. can get that 20 I think ours is like 26 feet that's ours too yeah yeah, so she can get like that 25, 26 feet ahead and I can call her off of a bush or a tree or 
looking at a squirrel or X, Y, and Z. Um, And it's really helped us. I would say, honestly, like ever since I got it, I feel like our recall has gone from like 60% to like 80 or 90%. Like, heck yeah. Pretty good. Like almost to the point that I like barely ever have to use the e-collar tone anymore. Um, so I would like beforehand, I would like yell come and then use the e-collar tone like for the second time. And then like the third time it would be like, um, I would use the stem on the e-collar like if needed. And I like don't remember the last time that I've had to use stem to like get her attention to come back for recall, which is an awesome awesome feeling. I understand sometimes she gets like really in the moment and like really into whatever she is staring at or looking at or sniffing. So Mm -hmm. I like try to not get too frustrated. Like if she doesn't come back on the first time, like on the first come, like with the flexion, especially. However, her recall has gotten so good that if she doesn't come on the first time, I'm like genuinely surprised. Which Isn't is like a, feeling? yeah, it's like a good yeah. feeling that I'm like, okay, she's came nine times out of ten this tenth time. Like, what did she have that was so important? Like, maybe I should go investigate as well. <laughs> and I'm like, not <laughs> saying like, do not like let your dog go willy willy nilly, like whatever. Oh, for sure. But um, it's kind of like this has been our progress, and I'm I'm proud of it so far. So that's that's really good. Well, and it's so valid, like. I, I often, okay, analogy. So analogy disclaimer that they always fall short because dogs are not humans and we live with them in a different way and blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows this. Um, but I like the analogy when I'm out and about with Scout of imagining like what it's like to be out and about with a friend. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if Sean is really interested in a window display and I say his name once and he doesn't respond to me instantly I don't like get pissed at him like I understand what it's like to be interested in something else in the environment and your resources are going into investigating that thing exactly and like you don't instantly see me now if he's like so engrossed in something that I say his name you know twice and like gently grab his arm and he's still ignoring me then of course like that's rude like that is not a mutually respectful interaction yeah Um, but that's been helpful to apply to her because like sometimes something is fascinating she's far away and like I don't think she's ignoring me I think she doesn't hear me and then when I give her an extra cue into it yeah yeah like if you ever try to talk to me while I'm reading a book you will think that I'm ignoring you and I promise I'm not so like I try to extend that same Grace, again, like you said, not in an extreme situation. Like there's a difference between, okay, you're ignoring me versus I said your name one single time. I don't think you heard me. Now I'm going to give you extra help. Like, I think that's really valid. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that about the e-caller, just the the tone. It's just like a beat and it's literally right there on her. So I'm like, okay, she definitely heard that. Yeah. Um, like then you know. <laughs> yeah. And then I like, and then I know. Um, but it's, it's been fun to, to do that. Um, and I think it's also taught her to like stay within 25 feet kind of thing. Um, we've been taking her to this field to play Frisbee and we'll let her off leash with that just because like literally no one is around and it's a field. Um, and you know, she has, has her, her tools on just in case, but it's are in those that field that is humongous. She will never get like away from us more than 25, 30 feet. Whereas used to, I felt like she was so independent that she would go like a hundred feet away just to lay down and just to rest. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of taught her too to like keep her proximity closer to us, which is a really good feeling. <laughs> that makes so much sense. And I wonder if part of that too is like. I think I did it too is like our relationship has grown. Like, so she wants to know, like, what are you doing and just be around us? Yeah. And like the more she gets to taste some, like I saw this with Scout, I give her more freedom more regularly on the flexi. So like 
freedom is not as precious of a thing, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, like she like has opportunity. Yeah, you know, like Scout gets to sniff things so often in her life that it's like the few times I ask her not to sniff something is like super not a problem because mm-hmm. she fulfills that a lot. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot. Like I, we could, we could really get derailed here. So I'll circle back, but <laughs> no, 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 that it makes a lot of sense. So, okay. Transitioning a little bit. Yeah. So I was reading one of your blog posts and in it, you had said something about imagining yourself in some of scout situations. And you probably were doing that to kind of like give yourself an analogy of like, just like how you did with, with Sean in the window, kind of like how you say with scout and maybe some of her, her fearful reactivity or triggers I do this a lot with Layla because my anxiety and like impulsive reacting whenever I am anxious and in those moods or situations. So I've been like working more on responding appropriately versus reacting, which is like what we ask our dogs to do anyways. Like that's what we're kind of training them towards. But how has imagining yourself in Scout's position kind of helped you and your relationship grow? Another great one. Um, to start with a little bit of comic relief, I would love to challenge everyone listening to go crawl around your house on your hands and knees and see. <laughs> I, I want you to see things at your dog's level. That's like a joke. And like that's something people do before they bring toddlers home because you're supposed to like, you know, see what the toddler would see. And, really? And, I did not. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I've, I've heard of people doing that to like childproof their house. Um, but. <laughs> This is so silly, Sean, and I did this once. If you do this, please, like, film it and put it on Instagram for me. That would make my day. Um, but, like, it sounds so silly, and it, and it is. It's hilarious. But even just that simple thing helped me realize, like, holy cow, like, the world looks so different even just at your height. And that's, that is even assuming that our eyes work the exact same way you know like literally all I changed was my height and things are so different and that was like the tiniest change so holy cow like the way you experience the world is not at all the way that I experience the world and how can I imagine that better um it's been really helpful to kind of think about this balance between anthropomorphism and anthropodenial which is a word I learned from Franz DeWall who I am just obsessed with lately um but you I'm know, not going to lie, that- I was going to try to pronounce that word. And I just was <laughs> like, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I don't even know if I do it right. It's just the anthropo prefix the dial, but it works. Um, but that's been so helpful because like, like Sean and I talk a lot about getting frustrated with things that are at the extreme end. So it bothers me a lot when you know, one of Sean's coworkers tells a story about how his dog peed in the house when he left it alone. And the dog did that because the dog was mad at him and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like that makes me feel a little frustrated because I'm like, you know, I really doubt that that's why, like, we don't, you know, like sometimes those extremes can feel really like, like in that instance, anthropomorphism feels unproductive. It's also frustrating to me when people act like our dogs are robots or just stimulus response machines who like have no emotions, because when we look evolutionarily, like we are both mammals, like that already makes us quite close together. A lot of the research we have is just insane about how many, I don't want to say thought processes because we, we can't actually know what the thoughts are, but you know, like when we do brain scans, a dog expecting a reward, the, the location and intensity in the brain is almost identical to a businessman expecting a bonus. Like, mm-hmm. like we have evidence. And when you look at that evolutionary pathway, if two species who are relatively close to each other evolutionarily express a similar trait, it's generally safe to say that that evolved in in both of them, like that, it, you know, kind of came from the same place and probably serves a similar purpose. So like one of my favorite examples is this idea that for a long time in primate research, um, people would refuse to use words like kissing or hugging 
or like tickling. And they would say things like mouth to mouth contact instead of kissing because they were like, kissing is anthropomorphic. And like, we can't anthropomorphize these chimpanzees. Never mind that our DNA is as similar to them as an Asian elephant is to an African elephant. Like that aside. Um, But that's frustrating because chimps kiss in very, very similar social contexts to what we humans do. Like, obviously Mm -hmm. their relationships are not the same. They don't, you know, get married. They're not monogamous the way that we are. Um, (laughs) But like, it happens in very similar social moments to the way that we- similar emotional context. Yeah. So it's fair, you know, it feels fair to call that kissing. Whereas there's a fish who's actually called the kissing, and I won't try to pronounce the second part of its name, but it, the fish is called like the kissing, whatever. Um, and like in that instance, that is unhelpful anthropomorphism because they lock mouths to like fight each other. Like it's, it's totally different. And that example was great for me to be like, okay, there are situations where I can look at an animal doing something And maybe it's a situation where I need to practice some anthropodenial and say, these fish are not kissing. But maybe it's an instance where I need to say, oh, like, actually anthropomorphism is helpful here. Um, And that's a really long-winded way of just saying that it's been helpful for me to try to think about which moment is which with Scout. Like, I don't think that Scout lays awake at night feeling really anxious and overthinking one particular thing that happened in the day. Like, I really don't believe that with the information I currently have, but I do believe that she feels anxiety and that she has emotions and that she has a capacity for stress in a given day in a similar way that I do. Um, And so it's a balance. And I, I think I'm still learning about this balance. It's like the balance between folk nonsense where it's like, you know, my dog thinks exactly the way that I do. And like, she, you know, like definitely there are some claims out there that are just unhelpful. They're really far-fetched. But it's just as unhelpful in the opposite direction to be like, my dog doesn't have emotions. Like, no, my dog definitely has emotions. emotions. Like you Uh say that your dog doesn't experience like joy and happiness whenever you bring out their favorite toy. Or, you know, their favorite food. Like, uh-huh. that's emotion. Yeah. So. And the emotional experience is, is, again, probably different. Like, again, going back to how just w- walking on my hands and knees is so different. I don't expect that Scout feels everything identically to the way that I do. Um, but I feel like it would be remiss to act like she's so different. Like, you know, we are not. Like, again, we're different, but we're not as different as sometimes people would have us believe. And so just exploring that balance, um, honestly, just like the act of thinking about it, even if I don't always think about it in the exact correct way, like I'm sure I miss the mark often because it's, it's all imagining and we can't perfectly imagine. I mean, we can't even perfectly imagine what another human is, is feeling. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But just the act of trying has done so much for my mindset with her. Like we are a much better team when I take the time to just pause and think about what she might be experiencing. And I really just missed a good opportunity there to say positive. Yes. (laughs) I was like, you said that. And I was like, wow, she just missed a really good pun. Do you think (laughs) that like it's helped you develop um, compassion like towards her and do you think that that's um, transitioned into other pieces of your life? I think so. Um, I mean, I grew up with animals and my parents are huge animal lovers. And I think that that helped, like I'm a big fan of the research out there about how loving animals can help kids develop empathy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of merit in that, but weirdly, trying to figure out how to phrase this, like finding more empathy for Scout, the biggest way over time that I've noticed that helping me is I'm better able to empathize with dog owners who do things that I really disagree with. Like I used to get um, quite irate when someone had their dog off leash in an on leash area and it approached us and like, don't get me wrong. That's still not cool. I still get upset, but I like 
not proud of this, once got into an actual screaming match with a drunk college guy. Like he was intoxicated. I should have known better than to engage. But we were in the park with Scout. His dog was on a leash. He saw us walking at the edge of the park, unclipped the leash, and then his dog ran right at us. And I like I was super frustrated. Like, come on, like he saw us walking. It felt very intentional to me. But like he was drunk and not in a place to engage. And Sean and I kept the dog away. And like I it was not productive for me to engage in a heightened emotional state and like ultimately did not serve Scout. Um, and so it sounds weird that empathizing with my dog who is afraid of other dogs has actually helped me empathize with owners, but it's just helped me realize that like everyone's experience of the world is so different and everyone's moral and value frameworks are different. And it's okay for me to be upset when something like that happens. Like I'm not saying that I now feel okay about this, but it's helped me take a step back and consider like, you know, this owner who just did this thing that really made my life difficult like maybe they really didn't know, like they might be having a completely different experience of the world right now. And if I'm going to extend that compassion to my dog, I should at least try to extend it to my own species as well. And that's very imperfect. Like I still definitely get, um, I can get really frustrated. And, and again, like to be clear, I'm not condoning yeah. those sorts of things. Like just because you don't know better doesn't mean that you are now absolved of any impact that you might've had. Um, sometimes people really are just jerks, like all of these things, but, but yeah, it's been, it's been helpful. That was the toughest thing for me. I could empathize with everyone under the sun, except dog owners who did something that could hurt scout or our training. And then I just looked at them like they were the devil, which is mm-hmm. fair. Cause I'm very invested. That's a very emotional thing. Um, but I'm much healthier and happier. And so is Scout when I don't immediately jump to you are the spawn of Satan. And I instead <laughs> take a minute to say like, okay, maybe you had these experiences. And sometimes yeah. I make up a story in my head that helps me feel better. And who cares yeah. if it's real? <laughs> I like to think like maybe they just didn't, don't have the knowledge. Maybe right? they're yeah. not on dog Instagram. Uh-huh. It helps so. me to just say like, like sometimes I will build a whole backstory. This probably makes me sound crazy, but it can be really helpful. If I like have a really frustrating interaction, I will just create a fake backstory and say it could be. And then it helps me move on. You know, I'll say like, well, maybe this person like grew up where everyone loved dogs and everyone always wants to say hi to their dog. And like, they truly aren't thinking of it. Like maybe they're the nicest person ever. And they just think that we want their dog to come say hi. And, you know, like it still is frustrating, but it just helps me um, let it go. Like I truly know people that are like that though. I used to be like that. Yeah. I I, I think of like four or five right off the top of my head that are like that. Yeah. Like my family, they are small dogs. They are like little 10 pound dogs, but still, (laughs) still we, I let my childhood dog, like, Oh my gosh. 11 year old Haley would walk our child to dogs by myself. And like, I put so many people in situations that were really unfair and I hate looking back on it. And I'm happy that I know better and I'm happy I can do better now. And also I wasn't a bad person who was trying to do that. And it's okay to separate intent and impact. Like I am ashamed, guilty. I, I have let go of the shame associated with it. I like definitely feel guilt when I think about those situations. But I also understand that like, I need to accept that the impact I had could have been really negative. And like, I need to come to terms with that. But I'm also not gonna like, hate myself, because I did have good intent. Mm -hmm. And that's not everything, but it's also not nothing. Yeah. And you can't like, time travel back and take it back. You you exactly. Yeah, you can't like find those people and tell them, Hey, I'm sorry for letting my dog right? you 10 plus years ago. No, I um, can't. And like, I don't know, just that idea of growth is really powerful to me. Cause like my family and I have our, my childhood dogs for over a decade each. 
so differently than we all currently own dogs. And a lot of that has come from me owning Scout and my family's husky mm-hmm. that we adopted a few years before Scout um, like started us on that journey. But I kind of look at it too. Like if I put someone in a box, like if someone, you know, lets their off-leash dog run at Scout and I just assume that they are the greatest asshole on the side of the Mississippi, like I'm not giving them any room to grow and like if I start a screaming match with them well now they have reason to think that I'm the crazy one yeah to think that you're (laughs) the asshole yeah exactly (laughs) but if I'm like polite and measured and intercept the dog and then you know maybe say like hey like sorry my, my dog's afraid of other dogs we come here because there are leash laws and it helps us feel safe like could you put a leash on your dog it's much harder for them to think that I am insane and ignore what I'm saying. Um, And in order to handle the interaction in a more mature way like that, I have to, I have to be practicing empathy in my brain. Otherwise I will just get fired up. Like I said, there've been some times I'm not proud of. Okay, everybody, you have officially made it halfway through my episode with Haley from Pause and Reflect. It has been super incredible to go back and listen to this and edit and really just soak in all the knowledge that Haley has. Unfortunately, I did just realize that I can only record up to about 64 minutes, I guess, in GarageBand, so I am going to have to edit this into two separate episodes. So I really hope that you go and click on the next episode. But before you do that, this would be a really great opportunity for you to take a screenshot, post it on your stories. You can subscribe to the newsletter below or leave a review and rating on Apple Podcast. I've had a really great time reading all the feedback that you guys have sent me through Instagram so far, and I really do appreciate it, and please keep it coming. I am going to sign off here on this episode, and I will catch you over on the next one. If you are saving the next episode with Haley to listen to later or maybe tomorrow or sometime this week, I will go ahead and leave you with that I hope you have a great day and that if nothing else happens, I hope you get to play with your dog today. Mm